Hello, everyone. Welcome to another episode of Dope Shit My Therapist Says, a therapeutic wellness podcast hosted by Ryan Gaddy and Lauren Fractor. We are two millennial therapists who enjoy having authentic conversations with real people who share their experiences and passions with a mental health twist. Conversations that inspire discovery of self, insight into deeper spirituality, and alternative ways to support mental health and wellness. As a reminder, this podcast is meant for educational and informational purposes only. All topics discussed on the podcast are from the viewpoint of our guests and their personal experiences. Information shared on the podcast is not a replacement for therapy, therapeutic advice, or medical treatment. Hi, everyone. We hope you are enjoying season two so far. And don't forget to follow us on Instagram at DopeSHGTherapyPod. We post all of our visuals, reminders of new episodes, and some really funny therapy memes, as Lauren can attest to. Uh, But on today's episode, we have David Miller from Flow Gardens, a high-end indoor hemp and cannabis research and development cultivation facility. His business partner, Eric Melzer, has been a legacy grower for 29 years and has five years of commercial cultivation experience. David focuses on company strategy and execution to promote and educate the industry on the future of cannabis and alternative cannabinoids. Flow Gardens has won a handful of cannabis cups for best flower in 2022, including first place in the High Times Cup and first and second place in the coveted Emerald Cup in Northern California. This was a really great conversation and one that we haven't had an opportunity to discuss yet on the podcast. We hope you enjoy the episode. Hi, David. It is so nice to have you on the podcast today. We are going to be talking about a topic that we haven't touched on yet, but we are very fascinated and curious about, which is cannabis. So for all our listeners, if this is not your cup of tea, that's fine. You don't have to listen to this episode. But for all of our stoner and flower friendly friends, this might be the episode for you. So welcome, David. Thank you. Thanks for uh, you and Ron having me on the show. Yeah, we're we're really excited to hear just about this entire journey that you've been on. Um, can you start by telling us where you're from and how did you and your partner, who sadly couldn't join us today, Eric, um, how did you guys meet and start this um, company? Yeah, uh, so um, I'm, myself and Eric are, uh, were raised in Tennessee. He was actually born in Cincinnati, but he was raised in Tennessee. I was born and raised in East Tennessee. I moved to Atlanta whenever uh, I graduated from the University of Tennessee. I had a business that I built in a career down there for about 20 years and uh, recently moved back a year ago. So I've been, uh, I joined up with Eric a couple of years ago, actually, uh, before I, I made the move up. And uh, so this is, this is my second business. And um, we met through my little brother. He actually used to uh, grow um, when it was, illegal uh and that for my little brother so he uh, he was my little brother's hookup for lack of better words um but back in the day so he my brother introduced introduced me to him he knew I was looking to change industries so I um went over to Flow Gardens and toured it uh, they were still in their build out stage but knew there was something special there and and you know joined uh you know probably six nine months thereafter and Eric has been growing for uh, about 29 years, legacy grower, five years commercially. And he actually worked for uh, a processing company um, before that, which is where he learned, uh, where he started his commercial grow when the when the farm bill passed in 2018. 
That's cool. So how did you decide to switch industries into the cannabis industry? And like, was that something you had been interested in for a long time? Like, what's your journey been kind of like when it comes to cannabis use? Yeah, uh, well, um, I was always really, really good at numbers, um, but I didn't in math, but I didn't necessarily enjoy it. And whenever I was um, a junior in college, uh, I was managing money for Tennessee Valley Authority, and uh, we had um, advised Warren Buffett to buy a company out of Knoxville, and he ended up buying it, uh, Clayton Home CMH, for one point eight billion. So that kind of got me really jazzed about the industry, and I didn't pay attention to what I loved. I paid attention to what I was good at. Um, so I, I did finance for, you know, close to, close to 20 years and, um, had a great business and, and, and sold it and focused on, Hey, what is my passion? What do I love? Not what, um, am I really good at? So, um, putting my passion, uh, before what I'm good at is what is, um, wildly different about, uh, working now in a different industry and working for flow gardens. I enjoy waking up every morning. I enjoy going in and, um, seeing the employees working with the plants, focusing on strategy and execution. Curious too, like what your journey has been like with cannabis? Like what are you passionate about when it comes to it that makes every day feel good? The reason I, whenever I decided I stepped down as uh, CEO from uh, my company and hired a president, I really took a look inside myself and said, you know, if I'm going to change industries completely, I'm going to start a new career then I'm going to do something I'm passionate about. So um, I obviously finance is a little bit different than cannabis <laughs> uh, from an industry perspective. Uh, and I chose to do uh, cannabis. My uh, best friend growing up, he got stage four colon cancer at uh, 22, ended up beating it. Uh, then, it then it came back and he ended up passing when he was 29. Um, and I saw him and having to buy cannabis on the black market, you know, not really having, not, not really not having the, this, the COAs, the test results to show the different cannabinoids. So we could kind of understand what's work. We just kind of had to troubleshoot. He had to kind of troubleshoot it. Like, yeah, this helps me eat. This helps with the pain. Um, when the Marinol, uh, the synthetic uh, derivative, you know, wasn't really helping at all. And, and the opioids, um, you know, that wasn't, that wasn't a positive option. So there, there was that. And then also uh, somebody uh, close to me, my family was in the military and disabled. And there's some, um, some things there that really, um, I saw, I've, I've seen, a, seen a big difference with them and, and how they've, and how they've used it. So those were the two main stories that, that drove me to um, be in in the cannabis industry, and now that I'm at Flow Gardens, we get stories like this um, all the time. We have employees that have stories. We have a Purple Heart, uh, two Purple Heart uh, employee that works for us, and he is uh, you know wildly passionate about it. So just having these stories and stories, knowing that my personal stories and passions are um, echoed throughout so many people across across the country. So that was an important question. Sorry, I sorry I missed it, but, but I did get the first one. So thank you, appreciate it. No, Mark. no worries. Thank you for sharing. Um, I I feel like that's a similar story probably for a lot of people that we know. And you know, cannabis. I'm in California, so I'm very lucky to have beautiful flower. I feel like cannabis is definitely taking a turn. 
um, just like in in usage, in um, you know becoming less taboo. Have you seen the same working in this industry? Yeah. So Lauren, uh, that's a great question. We have, and um, so we're in an illegal state, so we have to be compliant with the farm bill, and we can you know grow hemp. So when I, when I'm referencing what people are um, seeing benefits from is the cannabis plant, but it has less than 0.3% THC at a certain day of testing. So ours are CBD dominant and we do do a lot of in-house crossing to find that. And that's really our bread and butter. And what we're wildly passionate about is finding those plants that have a balance of the cannabinoids, the, the CBD, which can help with it, with the anxiety, especially if you have like a, like you have in California, a lot of those, um, growers, their goal is to get the highest THC percentage, whereas that's not a, our goal in growing. Our goal in, goal in growing is to find a balance between the THCA and and the CBD. So yeah, there the CBD actually is being used recreationally quite quite a bit, um, and there are you know hemp shops and dispensary type shops that are just popping up everywhere because it is so popular now. But yeah, we are seeing the you know, the smoke shops or I guess the smoke lounges popping up more and it became becoming a lot more, I guess, normalized, if you will. I'm glad you kind of brought up CBD because that was like on our list to talk about. And I mean, I can just for my own personal story, like I suffer from pretty bad anxiety, um, which impacts my sleep and just overall functioning. And I started doing taking CBD about a year and a half, maybe two years ago now. And it's like the only thing I swear that like, I don't feel weird on. I can take it every day. I don't know other than my anxiety going down that, you know, like, you know, for people who don't know, like you don't feel high on CBD, anything along those lines. And so it's been a game changer for me because I'm not pro, even though I'm a therapist, I'm not pro like benzodiazepines or anything like that because they can be so addictive and, you know, mess with your body. So I'd love to hear more about CBD and the products that you guys have and the other things that it might be able to support over wellness or wellness. Yeah, gosh, there's so much to, that that can come out of that question. That's a great question. So um, I guess to start out as far as CBD goes, um, Ryan, is there are so many people that uh, my sister, as an example, they tried cannabis in college you know, she may get mad at me for saying that she thought the devil was going to like was out to get her or something. And like she stayed in her dorm room and and hasn't done it since. Um, and while I don't have factual evidence, uh, the like I'm ninety nine point nine percent sure she probably just consumed something that had a very high THC content with no CBD. And that CBD has that relaxing anti-anxiety effect that you were talking about. So there's a lot, there's so many people out there that are scared to use cannabis because they've tried it once and they had a bad experience, but it's because it's just focused on the THC. It doesn't have that CBD component, which as you, as we said, combats the anxiety. So there, there are tons and tons of, I guess, testimonials that we get from uh, customers about how, whether it's a balm that they put on their knee when it hurts um, or something's inflamed or whether they're having, you know, a certain amount of pain, a lot of people take broad spectrum um, or full spectrum uh, gummies on, on a daily basis to uh, to help out with 
all, all sorts of sorts of items in. But just to ex expand on what you were talking about, about the non-THC cannabinoids, there's, there's CBD, which has, you know, a lot of health benefits, but you also have, which is our focus, is alternative cannabinoids. So it's not just CBD. It's also um, CBG. It's also uh, CBC. Um, the, the CBC has, there are some studies that have come out that it helps um, in using in tandem with like lion's mane um, and, and psilocybin that there can be neurogenesis benefits there. And I'm not a, a clinical or medical expert. So if I'm using the wrong vernacular here, apologize to the listeners, but um, that's one of the things we're super excited about with what we're doing with our lab um, and our ISO 17025 certification that we've, we've almost got. Um, and we've had our lab up, lab up for a little while is that we're um, doing a lot of research and hopefully we're going to get to the human health studies uh, here in, in the near future so we can see what these alternative cannabinoids can do with the plant. So yes, the, like the, the THC and mar marijuana that has point, over 0.3% THC in it has been suppressed by, you know, society, the government, what have you for so long. Um, so everybody's kind of rushing towards that, but we're going to, we're focusing our studies on these alternative cannabinoids that I had mentioned and looking at those medicinal benefits and, and how, and how those can help. So there's been so many different things. Like I said, the CBG, there's studies about how that might, uh, be able to help with pancreatic cancer. Um, so the, the opportunities are endless in the marijuana and uh, cannabidiol research expansion act that passed in the second week of December, um, last year, um, they're still promulgating the rules to my understanding. So, you know, the nine, uh, DA certified research in institutions, um, to, to grow marijuana for research and to sell it, um, they're, you know, that whole process is still playing out as to what projects are going to be taken on, what kind of studies are going to happen with with all this money moving to the research. So a lot to come here in the next couple of years on research, which is exciting. That's amazing. And thank you for sharing more about CBD and all of its uh, other acronyms. Um, I've heard of CBN before for like, I guess, for sleep. Yeah. So um, CBN, most all um, of the cannabinoids as the plant ages um, if, and as the the cannabinoid ages, they convert to CBN. So there are uh, a lot of, a lot of, uh, you know, gummies or products out there that have CBN in them and they say, Hey, this, this helps to promote with sleep. That's been one of the main benefits they've, uh, which is kind of the general consensus right now for CBN. How do you know what is, I mean, I guess like with dispensaries in California, I mean, we are just, we have so many different products. How do you know if you're getting a good product? Well, um, I don't know the the specific uh, regulations as far as disclosures with what are the terpenes, what are the cannabinoids, you know, what are the the testing as far as metals. I would assume in California they're they're pretty strict and they want to edu educate the consumer on that. But I, if it were me and I were in in California, I would I would ask around. Uh, I think Glasshouse is is one of the top brands. And when I visited Santa Barbara. They had um, they had some some high quality flour, but typically whenever you look at the the label, you want to look at the percentage of THC in there, 
you want to look and see if there are uh, terpenes. A lot of companies don't put the terpenes in there, whether, whether it's beta-carophylline, which is in pepper, or um, you know, limonene, myrcene, which is in mangoes. A lot of those, a lot of people say those natural terpenes, again, there aren't studies around this, which is why I say a lot of people um, say that the these terpenes that are added to the plant or the terpenes that are naturally occurring in the plant when added with those cannabinoids, it has what's called, you know, an entourage effect. So it amplifies the benefits of those cannabinoids in your endocannabinoid system um, to, to have better health effects. So I kind of went down a, <laughs> down a rabbit hole there, uh, Lauren, but uh, did, that, did that answer your question a little bit? Yeah, I think like, you know, this is so foreign, like when I, you know, we don't work in the industry. So hearing about all these little nuances is, is interesting. And for anyone who is into, you know, like scientific facts and, and more of like the explanations that you gave, then, you know, it's going to be really informative. Um, I mean, it's informative for us too. So we appreciate you kind of diving in and breaking it down because I feel like, so sometimes what happens when we have guests on, we're learning with the guests that we just get like into the conversation. And then we're like, wait a minute. Oh yeah. We're also the hosts. So that happens sometimes, at least for me. So I apologize if I'm like, uh, you know, <laughs> no, <not at> all. <laughs> I'd like to know a little bit more about some of the benefits of using cannabis. Like you mentioned CBD, but what are some of the benefits of maybe um, having like a combination CBD and THC or just specifically THC, if you have, you know, the answer to that. As much as I would like to say, I have the answer to that. I don't, but I'm very happy that we don't have the answer for the reason of, you know, there's, if, if you go, if you go to a dispensary and you look, and this is why I mentioned glass house, because I think they're one of the more progressive, um, cannabis firms in, in California, uh, uh, as far as from a cultivation perspective is if you go into a dispensary, like when I went into that dispensary that uh, Glasshouse was in, they probably had, I don't know, maybe a hundred different strains in there, different types of flour that you could buy. And of those hundred different types, again, I'm kind of approximating here, but you know, one of them was a one-to-one. So it had equal parts, THC, equal parts, CBD. And one of them was CBD only, which didn't have any THC. So of all of those out there, only 2% of them had there. And, and if you go to a lot of dispensaries, they, a lot of them don't even have CBD in the, in the milligram portion that would actually have a medicinal benefit. So things could be changing and I certainly hope they will. I like to use the comparison that, you know, right now the cannabis industry, everybody's so excited because it's being legalized in you know approximately 40 states now rec uh, medicinally and recreationally um so it's like everybody's drinking moonshine everybody's trying to get to the you know that 30 percent, 31 percent high thc level whereas the approach that we're taking is trying to find that you know perfect plant that has you know cbc cbg um cbd and thc in it that's more like drinking like uh you know 98 cab from sonoma or like a really good pinot from willamette valley so there's you don't necessarily have to go for the hard moonshine some people like that and then you know it's good but if you don't want to get blasted off to the moon and you want to look you know uh take things and maybe at, at a different balanced level then 
And we feel like those one-to-ones are the best way to go. Yeah. And I think and, that oh, go ahead. You're, you're like, your guys' goal is to look for like the medicinal ways to most benefit people when it comes to using plant plants as medicine. And, you know, I'm curious, like, I know you've talked a little bit about it, but how has medicinal cannabis like been changing in other ways? And like, where do you hope to see it go um, in the near future here? And so being in a, in a non-rec and non-medicinal state, it's hard for us to keep pulse on the market other than reading reports and, you know, traveling to other states and seeing what the products are um, and going to conferences and talking to people. So that's really conferences are the are, are the best way for right now for us to to get information, just collaborate with with other industry peers. And I don't want to say the industry is kind of flatlined, but there are a lot of a lot of the products out there are becoming more commoditized so so more standard so i don't i haven't seen a lot of change um in the industry from what they're offering um just because you know it's been legal i guess what was it colorado in 2016 or so was was one of the big one of the big municipal jumps there you know a lot of the a lot of the change at least i feel like from a product offering standpoint for customers um and consumers really happened from 2016 to 2020. But I really think that that next wave as the, the THC market is commoditized will be those alternative cannabinoids, like you said. Um, and and y'all being in the, in the mental health space, you know, that's one of the things that really excites me is being able to provide providers like y'all with clinical studies and research saying, hey, CBC does this, <laughs> you know, CBG does this. So you all can say with confidence to your to your clients um, that this this could help you. Yeah, um, it's interesting that you bring that up because, like, I think one of the hardest parts for Lauren and I'm speaking for Lauren, she does it to me all the time, so I'll do it for her now. Uh, is that as therapists, like, we're in such a tricky place because it's something that maybe we're passionate about or interested in, but like, we're not allowed to speak on it with clients because, like, legally we can't recommend things that we're not like. I don't know, like we're like not doctors per se, right? So, I mean, we do it in, in tricky ways anyways, but like in general plant medicine, like there's trainings coming out, especially out of like John Hopkins on plant medicine for depression, anxiety, mostly around psychedelics. Um, so I'm hoping that cannabis kind of gets drawn into this a little bit more with the research so that we can have, you know, doctors and oh my God, psychiatrists, talking more and utilizing it more so people have alternative um options so because i i know that it has helped quite a few of my clients and then also there's the other side of it where more research needs to be done for the populations that it triggers and is not good mental health wise so it's an interesting bit you know balance there yeah i think y'all are in just a, a very amazing and um just encouraging spot as as mental health professionals with um mdma ketamine, uh, psilocybin, um, mescaline, ayahuasca, a lot, a lot of the different DMT, a lot of the different things out there. Um, this, you know, this cannabis wave of legalization happened, you know, arguably since California did it, you know, over 20 plus years. But what, when uh, the a psychedelic conference that I went to in, in Miami that followed a cannabis conference was held by the same company. Um, I, I, sat there and, and listened 
And it seems to me like y'all are going to have um, quite a bit of tools and options. Um, hopefully here in the next couple of years, uh, you know, what MDMA seemed to be the one that was moving the fastest, but also like psilocybin as Oregon opened their, up their first facility, maybe it was last week or the week before, or their healing center, I think is what they're calling them. So, you know, you guys are in an awesome spot as far as, you know, having tools that you'll have confidence in that are, so some of them are natural plant medicines, you know, some of them are synthetic. So, but, um, but yeah, that's, that's a great point that you bring up. I'm really excited to see what happens just, you know, in our lifetime as therapists, like if we're able to get into a place where there is enough research and it, it can be a conversation and there are more centers even um, just to assist people, because I, I believe that, you know, certain drugs um, can definitely have a, a positive impact alongside, you know, therapy if used correctly. Right. Um, I know like in California, they're starting to do a lot of like ketamine and, you know, that's like super interesting and I haven't even really dived into it, but cannabis would be a great place to start just because I feel like it, at least for most people, especially like, I'm sure you've heard the term like California sober. Have you heard that term? No, I haven't. So basically, have I been hiding in the dark for all these years? Yeah. Probably everybody listening to say that. All right. So, so California sober is basically for people who abstain from alcohol, but they smoke weed, and so they're California sober, almost like a soft sober. Which you know, we don't need to get into um, that, but I think that you know, with just like cannabis being like a plant, I just feel like it's like the easiest way to kind of introduce other alternative methods of healing where it's not as scary because it doesn't scare me and it never really did like the idea that uh, of like hemp so um what i do want to know is do you feel like tennessee is getting closer to legalization so we are uh tennessee is a very conservative state um it has been kentucky legalized medicinally uh, about a month and a half or two months ago and they're to our north you know so they border us to the north almost in entirety missouri touches us their wreck and medicinal um then you got uh, mississippi and alabama those are both i think one's going wreck and but both are medicinal um you have georgia and they've been caught up in litigation for i don't know how many years but they passed medicinal just hasn't been promulgated and, and carried out yet and then so you have South Carolina and North Carolina that aren't there yet, but we're surrounded, <laughs> you know, and the, and these are, you know, Mississippi and Alabama are very, very conservative states as well. So um, I feel like it's, it's going to pass. There was a Republican uh, medical marijuana bill introduced to the general assembly in the first quarter of this year or the end of the first beginning of second. And, um, and that, that was a first cause it had, uh, recently uh, just been introduced by uh, by Democrats. So that, that was a, that was a step in the right. Now it didn't pass, um, but it was a step in the right direction. And I really think that a lot of these states that are holding back, it's because um, there's not any federal guidance. And um, if there's a safe banking act passed or it's descheduled or something along those lines, then I, then I think that the, the expedition of uh, that it'll, that'll really get expedited. So that's your long answer. I don't know, but I hope so. I feel like it might. <laughs> Connecticut just passed it recreationally. 
in March, I think. Okay. So we've had it medicinally, but I there wasn't any like dispensaries or anything. And they've got all these fun fun rules about it. You can't call it a dispensary. You can't call it a there's like a lot. It basically oh, can't oh. have a name. So it's really funny when you're trying to like ask somebody about it because you're like, uh Can I go to the store? <laughs> yeah, it can't it's there's so like it's a huge list of things that they're not allowed to call it. It's really fun. I don't know. That's just Connecticut for you. They have like weird little things they like to try to do. But Massachusetts has been like wrecking medicinal forever. And we live so close to it that I think most of their patients are probably Connecticut residents. Um, I'm curious. And I know that, you know, you may not have the answers to some of these questions, but we're going to kind of like look at mental health and cannabis use a little bit. Other than anxiety, what are some things that you've heard that, you know, the CBDs and like the other acronyms have been helpful with when it comes to mental health? Uh, PTSD for sure. Um, and a combination of THC and CBD with that, uh, I think uh, by themselves and also together. Um, the, the PTSD aspect, I strongly um, believe that that, that is uh, through some, some personal experiences that I've had and then also you know family members and, and customers that, that we've spoken to. So there's so that's that's one that I'm really passionate about. I know that, that that definitely helps helps with, and also with um, just addictions, uh, specifically opioid uh, use. We were asked, uh, Eric and I were asked to be on a podcast. Gosh, it was maybe it was summer or fall of last year, and it was a gentleman who had been um, an ER doctor for you know maybe 25, 35 years. Uh, he was in Rhode Island, and. He said he had, um, and I'm going to get these numbers a little bit off, but he said there were about a hundred of his patients where he, where he performed surgery and they were prescribed opioids. And he was then later educated on uh, CBD and THC. And um, he, I, I don't believe that they were um, medicinal at the time. So he was prescribing, or not prescribing, he was recommending that they get CBD. And he said he had gotten I think the number was about 86 out of a hundred of his patients that were on opioids. He had gotten them off, um, through, through the use of CBD. So, um, I know that I've heard that ketamine as, as well to talk, to reference loop back to the, the psychedelic space that really helps with, with opioid addiction as well. But yeah, uh, I would say PTSD and just the opioid ep- epidemics, you know, just trying to squash that as, as best as possible. That's amazing to hear. And we also uh, recorded a episode that's going to come out um, this next week on chronic pain. So I'm sure that's an obvious, like, you know, cannabis and chronic pain relief. Yeah, I did. Uh, I did um, a just a survey with our employees because we're doing some research and want to get the whole team to contribute and behind it. And talking about some of the things we're passionate about. One of the employees said that her husband takes, you know, the, this THC and CBD gummies every night to help with his pain. And cause he, he does have chronic pain and it helps him sleep every night. Yeah. We definitely um, need more conversations and research to get this going because it's like, I feel like they're holding on to this gold and they're just like not being able to release it to the community, you know, um, especially in the states that really could use it, like Tennessee and, you know, the rest of the United States and other countries too. But I mean, that's like a whole other 
other topic, but um, it's, it's great to hear of just like, you know, all the mental health benefits that cannabis can help at least give relief at the, at the very least, um, because, you know, like we've been talking about, it's always nice to have alternative um, alternatives in general to the uh, psychiatric medication, which, you know, we have our own thoughts on, but. Um, <laughs> well, yeah. I'm curious to know uh, from, from both of you ladies being in the mental health space, how, or if, have you seen the the perception shift around uh, plant medicine, whether that be cannabis or, or other forms? And, you know, what, what do you see for the future as far as where the, how the mental health um, field is going to change? Cause that's integrally involved with, with what we believe and what we're focused on. We don't really, it, my interest is it being uh, past medicinally, the rec is, you know, it's not something I'm necessarily for or against uh, people can have their own choice, but the medicinal is what I'm focused on. And that's, and that's really your all's area. Yeah. So I don't feel like there's a lot of conversations happening right now, at least like not widespread in the mental health field. <clears throat> I think it kind of depends on the zone of mental health providers and like what their personal beliefs are there are more trainings coming out like I said especially around psychedelics and because some of the bigger universities are doing re like heavy research on psychedelics and mental health um, I I would like to see that happen for cannabis as well especially because just in my experience I know that cannabis can or has been shown in some ways to trigger certain mental health disorders like bipolar. Um, it's typically not a good match for and any kind of psychotic disorder. And that's true also for like psycho um, uh, psychedelics. So there's like recommendations that you really are under like a PTSD, depression, anxiety, mood disorder kind of diagnosis and nothing along the lines of anything with um, uh, like uh, psychotic, yeah, psychotic, anything with psychotic features really isn't able to utilize that. So I think more research coming out would be amazing and educational, especially, um, Lauren used to, and still does a little bit work with teens and I work with teens almost primarily and, you know, young marijuana usage is up a lot and there needs to be a lot more research about like the risks and benefits of it at a younger age so that we can kind of understand like how it's going to progress for people so like brain plasticity and and how the how the child develops <laughs> that kind of what you're referencing there yeah and also mental health um a lot of the students i work with that have high marijuana usage um, tend to have a lot of mood issues like for the worse and not the better and tend to have more like aggressive outbursts things along those lines and have a harder time utilizing it kind of socially like they tend to kind of go overboard with it and I don't know if that's just a brain chemistry thing you know their brains kind of still making connections where adults like everything's set in stone right so like there might be a little bit more of a, a realistic reaction to the usage um but yeah, I see it used a lot for coping with the teen population but then they have a hard time like coping without it, I guess, you know, it's like, it has to be consistently used. Yeah. That makes sense. I don't know if Lauren has any thoughts. And that was, that was great. No. Um, I think the only thing is, is that, you know, I worry sometimes the only thing that I really worry about is when I start to see the addictive behavior, 
because really anything can be addictive. This is just another substance. Um, but really, I think like consuming it via like a gummy or a drink versus smoking because smoking is not good for like, you know, lung development and the long-term effects of that, which all of us know that, but um, I, it would be interesting. I think, I think it's hard to talk about this because there's so little research done. And so I feel like now we're getting into this phase of people being interested and even, even like people who were not interested and maybe we're a little closed-minded or more open-minded to this after they've tried everything else and nothing's worked. And so it'll be interesting to see kind of where we end up even in the next like five to 10 years. And um, I think it's going to be really, really cool to see where, where we're headed with that, with cannabis. Yeah. And I, I certainly don't think that cannabis is a cure-all type drug. And I think that that's one of the things that will be good about these research studies, you know, if there are certain conditions, whether it be bipolar or um, other type of very serious conditions, and it causes psychosis or, or negative benefits, like we need to know that, right? <laughs> you know, medical providers, mental health professionals, like they need, they need to be, have that knowledge in their, you know, in their, as, as ammunition, so they know how to properly guide people. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and I, you know, I kind of learned all this early in my career and I was lucky for that because I work with people with psychotic disorders and, you know, there is a diagnosis of, you know, cannabis induced psychosis and it's something that might go away and might not go away. And it's hard because it's one of those things where it might be prepackaged in your DNA and you don't know it. And it's just one of those drugs and not to say that there aren't other drugs that would do the same thing that just kind of like turns the light switch on, you know, and there it is all of a sudden. So it's interesting. And I think, you know, the research coming in of like, you know, maybe CBD with no THC isn't going to do that. And that person can utilize that product to help them with their symptoms, but the THC part cannot be, you know, can't be part of it. It'll be interesting to see. And hopefully there, the money will be funded into this type of research. Cause I think it'll be really helpful for us as society to know more. Yeah, absolutely. Do you have any final thoughts or takeaways that you would like our listeners to know about? One, I'm wildly passionate about the mental health space. I was uh, on the board for the Emory Global Health Institute during COVID, and I had the opportunity to work with the former CDC director, uh, Dr. Jeff Copeland, and a lot of you know the people that he worked with. So my understanding, mainly through observation, not uh, formal academia education of mental health, is um, something that are something that our country needs right now and in a big way. So I appreciate you two ladies, everything that, that y'all are doing to help just champion that, that whole movement that that's going on now. Um, and secondarily, check out flow gardens. We're, we're a great company. We believe in cultivating health and happiness as that uh, pertains to mental health. So, but yeah, mainly the whole mental health, health aspect, we were really excited to, to be able to be on this podcast or Eric here in spirit, not heart or not, not physical presence. So, <laughs> but yeah. Um, yeah. Just thank you ladies for everything that you're doing in the space. Thank you for those kind words. And we appreciate your contribution as well to mental health. And um, where, where can our listeners find uh, like socials? Do you have any socials for flow gardens or a website? Uh, yes, we do. Um, our, account, <laughs> our account got, uh, as happens with um, 
Instagram and the cannabis industry, our, our account got banned for no reason. But uh, uh, so I'm sorry. I'm going to give you the handle right now. It's Flow Gardens 420 underscore 2.0. Um, so that's our new one. Um, and flowgardens.com, obviously, we're, we, we're there. And um, anyone can follow me at, at davidmiller.buzz. Thank you so much. It was great having you on and talking about cannabis and learning so much uh, that I, I'm sure Ryan also didn't know, but I definitely didn't know. Um, and this is an important conversation. We'll continue to have, continue to look at research and hope that, um, you know, Tennessee and the rest of the United States follow along with California and Connecticut in being recreation, re recreationally and medically uh, legal for cannabis. So thank you so much. Tell Eric we said hi. We hope you enjoyed this episode. If you like what you're hearing, please subscribe to our podcast on your favorite platform. And if you feel called to rate and review and share with the people in your life you think would like us too. For more info on this episode, check out the show notes. And as always, you can find us on Instagram at dopeshttherapypod and via email at dopeshttherapypod at gmail.com. Thanks for listening and check back soon for more episodes.